friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CBC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Turn with me to John chapter 5. I want to give you a short word, and then I want to pray with you. Is anybody tonight expecting, or is it just my heart? Is it, okay, me and Pastor Josh, great, that's awesome. Okay, I got one hand. Do I see two, three? Okay, can I get a few more? Okay, five, okay, I got five. I'll work with the five that got me. John chapter five. One of the things the Lord has uh, been transitioning in my heart is that he's talking to me right now about the fear of the Lord. Um, I'm not gonna really preach about that tonight, but one of the things I wanna tell you is that everything that we're experiencing on the earth is the signs of the times. We don't preach like this anymore because we got so caught up with living on this earth. And so we were telling people that God wanted to bless with new houses and new cars. And I believe that's true, that he wants us to prosper like our soul prospers. But at the end of the day, what really matters is the return of Jesus. That's the king. And some of you don't like tattoos, but he's coming back with tattoos on his thigh that say faithful and true with a sword coming out of his mouth, dripping with the blood of his enemies. And Jesus is returning. So don't get nervous at what you see, covid Democrat, Republican, I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come and he's going to take his bride who is spotless and clean and without wrinkle, and we're going up. So we can suffer down here. If I suffer, if I don't suffer, I'm good either way, sister. But if I, as long as he comes and gets me, and I'm a big one and he's strong enough to pull me up, I'm grateful for it. Somebody shout yes. So I don't want you to be nervous at what's going on, and maybe some of you have different diverse situations that are going on. You're thinking about loved ones that are in the hospital. Maybe you know somebody struggling with COVID. I'm believing God for healing. I'm believing God that he's going to touch because that's what he promised. But at the end of the day, I'm believing that come hell or high water, he's coming back for me. So if I suffer a little while, the Bible says I'll reign with him. Anybody want to reign with him? Everybody wants to be big and powerful on this earth. This earth is so small in comparison to what we're going to see in heaven. And tonight I want to talk about desperation. I believe many of us have gotten lazy and apathetic in our walk and seek with the Lord. So I need you to talk back to me. I am black, I am Pentecostal, and I have diagnosed ADHD. That means I need attention. I need you to talk back with me. Turn with me to John chapter 5. While you're turning there, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. For those who don't know me, I'm uh, Pastor Dell. I lead a church plant. Uh, we started about a year, almost a year. We'll be celebrating a year on September 5th, the first Sunday. I encourage you, if you guys don't have Sunday night service, come and hang out with us. Uh, we're going to celebrate at 6 o'clock on the first Sunday of September of all the things that God has done. And we're going to celebrate before this Delta virus shuts us down again, I'm telling you, because I'm so sick. This isn't cussing. I mean this prophetically. COVID can go to hell. Sorry. COVID, go to hell. Let me take the can out of there. All right. Some of y'all are not ready. I can tell by the deer and headlights look you're giving me right now. But I lead a church plan, and I want to encourage you, man, if God's blessed you financially and you're looking for some place to bless, and as long as you're a tither, if you're not a tither, please don't give me your money because there's a curse on your money, and I don't want it. Uh, but if you're a tither, um, would you do me a favor, and if the Lord puts it on your heart, would you bless our church plan? I don't care if it's $5 or $5,000. Um, what kind of giver does the Lord love? Somebody said generous. I like that answer. <laughs> I'm going to start using that one. What kind of giver does the Lord love? A big one. 
but there's a woman who gave a mite, which would have been just a few pennies to us today. And a Pharisee or a publican got all hyper spiritual and thought he was big and bad because he was giving so much money. And here's the thing about the Lord, because I've often wondered, why did God, even in the tithe, require 10%? Because the Lord knows that we're all at different spaces, and he doesn't require us to give equally. He requires us to sacrifice equally. But the kingdom, and I'm not going to teach about money tonight, so don't get nervous. You can unclench your butt. Um, (laughs) We're not taking another offering. Uh, But I say this because without us doing it together, the kingdom will not accomplish what we've been called to accomplish. As a matter of fact, me and Pastor Josh are not supposed to be doing the ministry. According to Ephesians, we are supposed to be raising you up, the body of Christ, to do the work of the ministry. And it's more than just paying a little money so that we can do little backpack giveaways and different stuff like that. There's things that we need to accomplish strategically. And I just believe that there is money in the body of Christ. We just have to unclench our hands, learn to be generous, and sow into works that are important. Listen, if we've been saving up for a vacation, a vacation will fill you up and give you a little rest for a couple weeks. But I'm telling you, sowing into a church plant will do something eternally for people. There are people who are going to sow into our church. You're going to get to heaven, and folks are going to say, thank you. Because of you, my life was changed. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got a little extra money and it's not too hard on you, would you go to our website, thecollide.com slash give, and just be a blessing. If you forget what it is, just look me up and you'll find it. Are y'all still all right? Usually the anointing slips out the room when you talk about money. But I could care less. I didn't ask to come. All right. (laughs) Um, John chapter 5. One more thing. Can you give it up for one of the best pastors in the Fresno area, Pastor Josh? Y'all, okay, I don't know what this is, and maybe, come on, I know bad pastors, and you got a good one. And while you're clapping, can you give it up for the woman that makes him look good in the back? Come on, give it up for Faith in the back. She's awesome. I told her, I I said, I feel like you've been pregnant forever. Are you just, is this the situation from now on? She was like, three weeks. I'm done. I'm ready. (laughs) Love you, Faith. Uh, John chapter 5, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And uh, I'm going to preach fast, so go ahead and take shorthand. And the sound is perfect. If we keep it right there, I'll be happy the whole night. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Excuse me, Bethesda. Uh, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Say this with me. Say blind, lame and paralyzed. One more time, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the move on the water. For an angel, verse 4, went down on a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for how many years? I'm making sure you're following along with me. How many years? 38 years, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Verse 7, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down before me, and Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, <coughs> the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and he happened to do it on the wrong day. That day 
was the Sabbath. Does anybody mind if God breaks the rules to be able to bless you? All right, all right. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him, who has cured you? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is this man? God, I thank you for your word. It's already blessed. But what I need you to do is anoint me to preach it, anoint your people to receive it. And I pray tonight that you would be glorified, your people would be edified, and that the devil and his mother-in-law would be terrified in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said. If your neighbor hasn't talked back, you're sitting next to the wrong one, find a different seat. Tonight I want to talk about desperation. Um, Before I step into this, I've got to lay some theological foundation to let you know that God is not just omnipresent, meaning that he is all everywhere at all times. So when we tell our testimony and we say uh, that we found God, it's incorrect. It's impossible to find God because he can never be lost. He's everywhere that you turn. Um, Even when Job couldn't see or feel him because Job said, I looked to my left and I could not see God. I looked to my right and I perceived him not. Jesus was on the cross and even said, uh, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And many of us think that God forsook Jesus. In reality, Jesus was quoting an Old Testament psalm that was a messianic prophecy that what he was doing was the fulfillment of salvation. Uh, In reality, God will never leave. Well, what about when you're in sin? According to scripture, if I ascend to hell, God will be there. But if I make my bed in hell, God will still be there. I'm making some of you mad already, but we're going to fix your theology. But not only is God omnipresent, he is omniscient. It means that he knows everything at all times. He knows the end from the beginning. This is why the Bible can call him Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last, that he knows the end from the beginning. God has never been surprised, watch this, and he's never had an idea because he knows all things at all times. As a matter of fact, in this story, as we approach it, Jesus is stepping up to this gate that seems to have a whole lot of sick people that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But there's a verse that lets us know that this man had been sick for 38 years. And Jesus comes up to this man in the scripture following it, says to us, Brother Blair, that Jesus knew that this man had been sick a long time. Jesus is stepping into this situation, not ignorant of the dilemma, though his asking of questions makes it seem like he doesn't know. The thing you have to know about God and questions is that whenever God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know, it's because we don't know. Adam and Eve mess up and they begin to hide because oftentimes when we mess up, our natural reaction is to withdraw. We sin and we give up on the church. We go through and we drop out of the ministry and we withdraw because of shame. We don't feel like we're good enough, even though the cross says all you have to do is be forgiven and he'll renew you. David slept with a woman that wasn't his own, killed her husband, and God restored him in three days. Okay, this is the slowest crowd. Y'all not go hang out with me. Um, I say this because he is a God who can do a thing in a quick work, but he steps and approaches the situation of a man who's been dealing with something for a long time. We're going to deal with this man in just a moment, but before we do, and I want to say God bless all of my folks, my members, Kelly and the team who are watching online. I love y'all. Y'all help me preach if nobody else is preaching online, all right? Facts. We are millennials. We don't always say amen. <laughs> no cap. Um, Jesus steps up to the scene, and here, look at uh, chapter 5, verse, verse 3. 
at, at that pool, the Bible says in verse 3, there lay a great multitude of sick people. Number one, say blind. Number two, say lame. Number three, say paralyzed. There were blind people, there were lame people, and there were paralyzed. The first problem with this man who has been sick for 38 years is that he has the wrong set of friends. Uh, I was talking to a, a real estate agent, not that I have the money to be able to afford it, because in case you didn't hear, I am a church planter, which means poor in Greek. Um, <laughs> and in uh, talking to this real estate agent, uh, I had told her that I had gone to see homes in Atlanta, and they were literally a quarter of the price of homes that were in Northern California. I said a four-bedroom house in Northern California is going to cost you at least $1.2 million. But I said when you go to Atlanta or right outside of Atlanta, you're looking at 125 sometimes 250 if it's really nice property and loads of land. She said the thing that matters, Dell, are these three words in all the real estate agents. You know what those three words are. And this is what changes the value of a particular uh, venue. What? Location, location, Location. It's okay to be discouraged because even young men, according to the scriptures, will grow weak. What it's not okay is to hang around folks who are discouraged. I, I'm not saying to not have empathy because God has called us to minister to the broken. But if you are in a place of discouragement, you're in a place of brokenness, the worst place you can be is surrounded by people who don't have faith. I don't have a problem with this man having been sick for 38 years. My problem is that he is surrounded by sick people who will not challenge his disease. Because you're sick, I'm sick, let's just chill. You're in sin, I'm in sin, nobody's challenging. This is why some of us stay away from small groups and life groups, because we know that sometimes being a sick person in the midst of healed people will challenge us to walk out of sickness and into healing. If you're still with me, say yes. With that said, I want to break this down, because the and put that verse back up for me, Pastor Faith. Uh, it says that he was with, number one, blind people. You've got to watch out for hanging out with people who don't have vision. I'm not just talking to young people, but I'm talking to some of the old folks. And I'm not talking about this little minor vision about a week from now. You've got to hang out with people who can see. The Bible says that without vision, the people perish. That word perish there in the original language doesn't just mean that they die. It means that they die by way of wandering aimlessly, almost like the children of Israel in the desert for 40 years, even though it should have taken them 40 days. Why? Because they didn't have vision to be able to see what God had called them to see. You remember that there were these uh, folks that uh, Moses had sent in to the promised land to see and check out if Canaan was able, if they were able to take Canaan. And you remember what happened, that 10 of them came with a discouraging word saying that we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. God never told you to take inventory. He said, take the land. He never told them to go and check it out. He said, go and take it. But when you're walking precautiously and you cannot see how God sees, you will go and take inventory and whatever you see in the natural will become your reality. Not only are there blind people in the house of God, because you do know blind people go to church. Not only are there blind people, there are people who don't see right. I have a disease called corticonus, and it creates a, a cone out of my eyes, and so without my contacts, it's very blurry, and I have a hard time seeing. It does not change what is there. It changes how I see it. And these ten Israelites come back from the promised land, and they say, we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Who told you to look with your eyes? Who told you to see things through your natural eyes? I don't know how the money's going to work out. He didn't tell you to walk by financial uh, provision. He told you to walk by faith. We, we don't walk by sight. We don't walk by what we see. And this is where a lot of our discouragement comes and why we don't change, because we're constantly taking inventory and trying to make it make sense. Watch this, and if you're taking notes because you're a smart kid, write this down. Faith never makes sense. 
Okay, I can see two people by the laughs have walked by faith for a little while. You know what it feels like when God says to Peter, come and walk on the water. What do you mean walk on the water? See, as a matter of fact, and I won't give you this, I'll just give you this for free. I won't even charge you. As a matter of fact, people say that uh, Peter was walking on water. In reality, he was walking on a word. Because in reality, it did not make sense for Peter to walk on water. And if he had seen things with his own regular eyes, he would not have been able to accomplish what God had accomplished. Before I move on, there's one more story where Elisha is standing with his servant, and he's in this valley, and on this mountaintop, there are a bunch of the enemy armies on the mountaintop, and his assistant, because this is one of his first mission trips with prophet pastor Elisha, he looks up at the armies and he says, uh, I'm a little nervous. They got guns and knives and uh, arrows, oh my. <laughs> this is the Netflix version. <laughs> NIV, Netflix International Version. And Elijah does not get nervous. Why? Because Elijah, yes, he sees what the young man sees, what his assistant sees, but he sees more than what his young man sees. The Bible says that Elijah doesn't even respond. He just prays. Because sometimes you can't deal with faithless people. Some of you are wasting your energy trying to get people to have faith who refuse to have faith. Sometimes you just got to understand the power of prayer, that God can change minds that you can't. Oh, I need four parents to say amen right there because you've got some backslidden kids and you've been trying to beat them over side the head. You need to beat the bed and begin to intercede and believe God. Do I have anybody that will be a witness tonight? Because I'm telling you, I would rather you talk to God about your kids than talk to your kids about God. I... If you don't like this preaching, Pastor Joss will preach on Sunday. Don't worry about it. But Elisha says, Lord, open up his eyes and he can see that there are more that are with us than those that are against us. And instantly the eyes of the young man are open and he sees not only the armies in the natural, he now sees the angel armies that are in the spirit. The thing that will take away the fear of everything else on this earth, because you do realize fear is illegal. I know Christians are using it to get you to vote for their favorite candidate, but fear is illegal. Oh, we're in Fresno. I brought my own car. I'm not nervous. <laughs> fear is an unacceptable. There is only one fear that is acceptable in the, th in the kingdom of God. You know what it is. It's the fear of the Lord. Why? Because when you have a right picture, when you can see God rightly, you'll not be afraid of anything else because you'll know that he sits high and he looks low. I'm trying not to preach, so I'm watching my tone, but I do need you to help me a little bit because in order to be able to walk in the victory that God has given you, you've got to stop hanging around people who can't see. People who can't see beyond next month's rent. People who can't see outside of Madeira. All they've known is the city blocks of this city. You gotta, you gotta, and some of you just need to save up and go to Disneyland. Just get out of your zip code. Just go to a cut. Uh, well, not right now because it's probably crazy right now. But when there's all this pandemic is over, you just need to go and see the world. Something about seeing broadens your horizon. But not only is he hanging out with people who can't see, he's hanging out with people who aren't going anywhere. Some of y'all got lame friends. Yeah, they talk a big game. They post real good, but they ain't got no action. Yeah, as a church planner and as a pastor, we see it all the time because the audience always wants to tell the players how to play. I love going to the South. I don't care anything about football. Remember, I met Stephen Curry one time. I, uh, that's basketball. I don't care anything. <laughs> that, that tells you how much I don't care. Um, I met Stephen Curry. Didn't even know who he was. He said, hey, what do you do for a living? <laughs> he thought I was trolling him. Um, and I, I think about... The folks who uh, 
watch these sports games, and you always see this big guy, he's overweight, you know, nothing like me, uh, and he'll sit back on his couch drinking his beer going, oh, man, he ought to play it like this, he ought to play it like that, and you're looking at him going, can you even stand up on your own, brother? And some of you guys have those kind of friends. They can see because they've been there. They can talk a big game, but they ain't going nowhere. And guess what? That's why you're not going anywhere. You need to get around people who intimidate you. Oh, some of your prides are too sensitive to get around people who scare you. If you're the smartest person in your circle, guess what? Your circle is too small. If you're the most anointed, your, your, your anointing is either too big. No, not too big. Your, your circle is too small. You need to get around some folks who scare you, where you're afraid to say the wrong thing. And when you say the wrong thing, they challenge you, and they push you, and they take you to where they're going. That's what discipleship is. People come up to me and say, man, I just want impartation. And they think all that means is laying on hands. One kid came to me and said, Pastor Joe, I just want to be like you. I want to preach like you. I want to travel the world. I want to preach to thousands. Can you just pray for me that I would have your anointing? And so I laid hands on him. I said, God, instead of one year of being homeless, I pray you give him two years. Instead of his family rejecting him and not allowing him to attend Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas for two years, let it be four years. God, I pray instead of his church calling him crazy for 10 years, I pray let it be 20 years. And he's like, that's not what, no, 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 you want, you want what I got by going through what I went through, but you don't want to have to go through what I went through. Oh, it's real quiet. Elisha comes up to Elijah and says, I want a double portion of your anointing. And we think that Elijah just gave it to him. Elijah said, I don't even want to give it to you. Well, go, go back and read the text. Elijah first time tells him no. Elijah says, well, I'm just go wherever you go. <laughs> you go to church, guess what? I'm your new PA. <laughs> you go into the grocery store, we doing almond milk or we doing the cow stuff. Wherever you go, I'm going to go because I want to walk where you have walked. Some of you are w- hanging out with folks with g- who are going nowhere. They talk a big game. One day, because we, you know in the church we have one day syndrome. One day I'm going to do this. One day. You need to go with people who have been somewhere, somebody who's going somewhere. You need to hang around your pastor and just say, I'm going to annoy you. Whatever you need me to do, I'm going to be right there. You need me to print out lyrics for the songs, I got you. You need me to show up early and pray, I got you. I know this is too hard of a message for immature Christians, but for all the mature Christians who actually want to grow and go somewhere, it's time that we hang around folks who start walking somewhere. I started off with about 20 amens. I'm down to two bobbleheads. Uh, online, can y'all shout out and give me a few amens? Lena, help me out here because I've lost the crowd. The last group of people that are in this crowd are not just the blind, not just the lame, but the Bible says paralyzed. People who are paralyzed. Now, I don't want to talk about your mama. I want to talk about your daddy. But the reason why some of you are paralyzed by fear is because you have grown up with people who are paralyzed by fear. So every time you take a risk, wow, I don't know about that, brother. You know, whenever somebody puts the brother on the end of the sentence, I just want to slap them in the spirit. Some of us aren't going anywhere, and we're stuck in our condition and not being challenged because we are surrounded by people not only who can't see, not only who aren't going anywhere, but people who see the world through the filter of their fear. I'm not scared of COVID. I'm going to make some of you mad right now. I'm not scared of COVID. If I die, I win. See, I don't believe in heaven anymore, but I grew up on preaching about heaven. I, I grew up on stuff, uh, one, one, one glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. They don't talk like that anymore, Brother Blair. But I grew up on that kind of stuff where we realized that one day we're going to walk on streets that have been paved with gold. I'm going to walk past the pearly gate. He's got a mansion waiting up there for me because he told me that the Father has prepared it. He said, I'm going to have a crown, and there's going to be a sea of glass and thousands upon thousands of angels. I just believe that when this life is over, I'm going to 
spend eternity, I'm going to walk with him, and I'm going to talk with him, and I'm going to tell him that he is my own. I'm going to have a little talk and say, what's up with cellulite? But we're going to walk for a while. I'm not scared of COVID. Because for the believer, to die is to gain. Are you hanging around paralyzed people? People who don't take risk. People who play it safe. And you know what we do in the church? We call safe wise. There's a difference between man's wisdom and the wisdom of God. If you're still with me, say yes. <laughs> Let me calm down. I got a little too Pentecostal in this Baptist church. Verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain time. Every so often, an angel would come down at this pool where all the sick people were hanging out. Because sick people love hanging around the pool. They don't get in, but they love hanging around church. I'm sorry, the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they love Maverick City. I'm sorry, the pool. They just don't get in. Oh, man, I just love worship. I'm sorry, the pool. I'm just not going to engage. I'm, I'm satisfied with seeing the pool. I'm going to Instagram the pool, as a matter of fact. Hashtag pool life. And all of these people are hanging around the pool, and once a year, or once every often, an angel would come down, stir the water, and the first person who got in, they got healed. I wonder if God is trying to transform this revelation that it's not a pool that we're looking for. But it's really him. Let's keep going. Maybe I'll get a few amens in these next few verses. Now, a certain man, verse 5, there who had been in, in that infirmity for 38 years, 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, and watch this, Jesus knew that he had already been in that condition for a while. That's important because Jesus is about to ask an ignorant question. He's not ignorant, but he's about to ask an ignorant question. Because remember what I said to you earlier, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know, because he knows the end from the beginning. He asks a question because we don't know. Adam and Eve messed up, they withdraw, and we think that God was bad at playing hide and go seek. When God came down and said, Adam and Eve, where are you? It's not because God couldn't find them. Adam and Eve had forgotten where they were. Adam, where have you gone? Because we used to walk, the Bible says, in the cool of the day, and we're not walking there anymore. Where have you gone? And for some of you, you're here, but you're not really here, and God's asking you, where have you gone? Take, take inventory uh, of how, how comfortable you, you've gotten smoking a little marijuana every now and then. Oh, come on. It's cannabis. It's all right. Oh, it's real quiet. I felt that cold breeze. I ain't scared of none of you. Come on. Have a few drinks every now and then. Get a little tipsy. Just take the edge off just a little bit. And many of us have gotten comfortable with this day. And Jesus comes and asks the most ridiculous question that he could ever ask. And this is not the first time he does it. He's always asking obvious questions that he already knows the answer to. He looks at this man, and he asks this man who's been sick for 38 years in verse 6, do you want to be made well? <laughs> 38 years I've been sick, watching other people get their blessing, watching the water stirred and I can't ever get in, and you're going to torment me by coming and asking me? Do I See, I was never in AA. I never had an alcohol problem, but I did struggle with a different kind of addiction. The first thing they ask you in addiction is um, to confess the issue because you cannot overcome what you keep in the dark. And some of you, the reason you've missed out on your breakthrough is because you're not willing to be vulnerable enough to get it. You're too concerned about how you look. 
Lady finds like incense. Don't get too loud. And Jesus asks an obvious question because he's trying to get this man to take inventory of the condition that he's 38 years. He's been sick. Come on, Jesus. You know all things. You were there at the foundations of the world. As a matter of fact, according to scripture, you made a way before sin ever even entered the world. So you've got to know that this man wants to be made well. But you do know that not every sick person wants to be made well. Some people like the attention. I know you can't say amen because they're sitting on your row, but some people like complaining about their sickness because it gives them temporary satisfaction from what they didn't get in childhood. I'm not the only one with attention deficit in here. There are some of us who are a deficit at uh, other people's attention. We are longing for it, and so we love complaining about everything that's going on. Oh, God, another, if it's not this, it's another thing. And you don't speak with faith. You speak with fear. You speak with the te- testimony that you see in the natural. And so every now and then, God's got to come and shake you up and say, are you tired of being broken? No, I know you don't like this kind of preaching because we come in, we make all of the responsibility on God. But you've got to understand that in the kingdom, he's going to partner with you in your breakthrough. So he wants to know, are you tired of being tired? Yeah, yeah. Are you sick of being sick? Because you don't worship like it. I watched some of you looking like we were singing Christian karaoke, sitting in the back like God owed you a favor. If you realize the hell that you and I were getting ready to enter, if you realize that he gripped us, picked I feel like preaching like a black man, but I'm going to try to calm down. The fact that he picked us up and turned us around and he placed our feet back down. You realize how many of you should be crazy by now? All the hell that you went through, going through divorce court, having separation issues, fighting in child custody battles, and you still happen to be here with your head on straight, your eyebrows are on fleek, you look good, you're looking bad, and you're sitting here and got the nerve to pretend like God owes you. Do you want to be made whole? Are you tired of dating? Hoping that some man will fulfill what only God can do? Yeah, yeah. Are, are you tired of coming to the altar for the same thing, not living it out Monday through Saturday? Are you? Do you want to be made whole? The answer should have been, yeah. Let me tell you what this man says. Do you want to be made whole? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I don't have anybody put me into the pool. Because when the water stirred up, before a while, I'm coming. Somebody always seems to get there before I get there. And I hear this all the time as a pastor. I don't know why it's happening for them. I mean, I'm living saved and they're on their third marriage. I just don't understand. It's like everything happens. It's like, do you want to be made whole? No, no. And here's the problem. This is why we can't make history because we're too busy making excuses. Do you want your marriage to get better? Well, I, you know, if it wasn't for him, it wasn't for, and if I'm not, and maybe if you laid down your attitude, you could pick up a revival in your marriage. Oh, two claps. I'm looking for the happy married people in the room. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you want your kids to get saved? Then knuckleheads, I just, I've raised them in church, can't believe they wouldn't. That's not what I asked you. Your response should only be yes. When I got saved, I said yes. When he called me to be a missionary, I said yes. 
When he called me to be a pastor, I said yes. When he told me to plant a church, I said yes. For sure, when he asked, do I want to be made whole, guess what my response is? Because I don't want to be here for another 38 years. I've been sitting here watching other people get blessed. I've been coming to church Sunday in and Sunday out. I'm an usher. I'm serving on the worship team, and nothing's stirring for me. And I have gotten comfortable with watching other people get what I desire in my life. And I want to talk to this man when I get to heaven if he made it. Because I get it. First year, you're sitting at the pool. And you see the water get stirred. Hey, what's that, dude? What's happening over there? Oh, man, every now and then, Angel comes down and starts healing people. You know, he stirs up the water. And how, how I get over there? Well, you got to get into the water first. Man, he, he can't move. He's on his mat. Uh, because back then, if you were sick, you had a cloak or you had a mat. And this identified your disability. You know how many people, you know how many people are walking around on mats? You don't know it, but we can see your dysfunction. Your bitterness. You wear it on your sleeve like a shoulder pad. Yeah. yeah. You know how many people are walking around identified by their issue? You're the angry person in the family. You're the person who doesn't take anything seriously. You know, we, we do this in church all the time with doubting Tom. He ain't doubting anymore. The woman with the issue of blood. There are plenty of women with issues, but she ain't one of them. <laughs> and that's why I'm single. Um, you know, every time... The water gets stirred. I just, nobody puts me in the pool. I can't, because you, you see Jesus, I can't get here. I get it. The first year that happens. Okay. Second year comes. Hey, let me, it's about that time, right? Okay. I'm just, you, you want to put me in the pool? It's stirring up. Put me in. Second year, pastor doesn't get it. Third year comes. I, I get it. But 38 years? 38 years, nobody put me in the pool, and you're still making excuses about what other people didn't do to I get what your parents did. But 38 years? At some point, when are you going to take responsibility, not for what happened to you, but what you're happening to? It's real quiet. I thought you guys were assemblies of God. Y'all turned out to be Presbyterian, but I'm going to preach by faith anyway. How many years are we going to have to wait for you to get to it into your head that it's not other up to other people to get your breakthrough? That's why people get mad at the pastor. I just, if he preached better, somebody came to me one time. I was at a church preaching because I'm a good preacher. I'm such a good preacher. I listen to my own sermons, send myself an offering and get blessed. I act surprised when the offering shows up too. Uh, but I was preaching at this one church, got off the stage and somebody said to me, man, I wish you were a pastor. Man, we need a new pastor and I looked around at the congregation who was half dead and I said you don't need a new pastor you need a new congregation because you think your breakthrough is actually up to your pastor your pastor has nothing to do with your breakthrough your prayer life does it's real quiet somebody give me a fax online yeah it's your prayer life that's the issue and many of us are blaming other people for not taking the responsibility that we need in our own life I get it you were molested big deal I was molested for two years of my life didn't deal with it until I was 21, but at some point I had to stop blaming the person who hurt me, and I had to bring that hurt to the cross and say, God, here I am again, because I want to be healed. I, I get it, he left you, but at what point are you going to stop fussing about him, start forgiving him? Because and, and here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not saying that they were right in leaving you. Forgiveness is not saying that it was the right decision. All forgiveness is saying, I, don't, I release you from the debt that you owed me. Well, what about the debt that they owed me? Here's a good thing about the cross. He paid it all. If I was preaching at a black church, we'd be running around the house right now. I said, he paid it all. And that gives me, at what point are we going to stop focusing on what other people are not doing for us? After 38 years, I'm telling you, I would have just scooted myself down, rolled down. No, you, I, I wish, year 14, I, I'm telling you, we would have had a uh, 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 sit by the pool international ministries. And all I do all year is sit right here. Y'all think I'm playing. I'd sit by the pool and, and I'd watch other people, make sure they weren't closer to the water than I was. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm not coming to Wednesday night with this old chubby prophet from San Francisco and not getting my blessing. I'm coming at 630. <laughs> I'm going to be here at 530. I know the front row for the pastors. I'll sit in the second row. Yeah, but here's what we do. We come in kind of lackadaisical because we have no expectation that God's going to bless us. We know he's going to bless other people. We know he's going to bless Sister Watermelon because Sister Watermelon is anointed, and she's got it going on. She went to Bible college. She graduated from cemetery, I mean seminary, and she's got it going on. So for sure, God's going to bless her. But what if I surprised you to tell you he wants to stir your water? Ooh, I feel faith rising in here. Because some of you have settled in faithlessness and believing that God's going to bless everybody else, but he's never going to come down to your address. I got good news. Look at me in my good eye. God's not just going to stir the water for somebody else. He brought me here to tell you he wants to stir your water. That's why you've been dead. And water that doesn't move for a while. Went to Israel, got into the Dead Sea. I, I didn't get in because I'm a germaphobe, but metaphorically got into the Red Sea, or the Dead Sea. <laughs> and they said uh, things float and all this stuff. Uh, and there's all these toxins that are in the Dead Sea. He said, why? He said, because it's like a cesspool. It just comes and it just sits like a whole lot of Christians on Sunday. Pastor preaches his heart out, spends 12 hours every week to preach a message, and you sit there, you don't take notes, you don't say amen, you don't send an encouraging text. No wonder your water isn't stirring. Because you're expecting pastor to stir it. You don't serve. You come to life group when you feel like it. No wonder your water isn't stirred. Because you're not hungry. No, no, no. I know you... I know, Pastor Bob, I'm just, I'm so hungry for the Lord. Your lack of a prayer life shows me you're not hungry. Oh, I just love the word. You don't even know the word. You can't love what you don't know. Mm-hmm. This will be my last time coming to preach, but it's all right. I'm going to make it a good one. Because if God's going to do what he wants to do in CVC Madeira, it's not up to Pastor uh, Josh and, and Faith. It's up to you. It's up, what would happen if your whole world got stirred tonight? I'm telling you, if every person in this church tonight, the ones who are just here tonight, you got so stirred that two or three of you uh, got uh, folks saved and you start getting people stirred. Because I'm telling you, people who get stirred do some stirring too. (laughs) I'm telling you, you can't hang around me before I start coming against your faithlessness. I've got so much bandwidth for your complaining. I got, no, I'm going to hear it because I'm empathetic and I'm a pastor. (laughs) So I'm going to hear your complaint and I'm going to get, but at the end of the day, I'm going to say, okay, let's stir the water. Jesus asked this incredulous question. Do you even want to be healed? I I almost feel like it's an indictment on this man's lack of faith that Jesus is asking because Jesus knows that he's been there for a long time. And at some point, you should have made a move. At some point, you should have stopped waiting for somebody. Or maybe no one was putting him in because he was hanging around the wrong people. You expect people who are in the same condition as you. To help you out. I'm almost done right here. And, and, and my brother played the guitar for me. So it's, this goes down a little bit easier because I've been preaching hard. Play something romantic. <laughs> you remember the story of this lame man. And the house was so full that he couldn't get into the house where Jesus was healing people. So he had these four friends. The Bible says the four friends picked up the mat, crawled up to the top of the roof, and were disrespectful to interrupt the revival meeting dig through the roof. You need some friends like that. (laughs) I 
I get it. Have some blind friends. I've got some lame friends who ain't going nowhere, and I bless them. And I got some friends who can't see what I can see. I've got some friends who are paralyzed by fr- faith. But I got some friends like Josh too, who are believing not just for a church but for a city. Y'all not hearing me? I, I, I've got friends who are believing for nations. We're we're done believing for a soul or two. We we believe for the book of numbers. Some some of us don't. Uh, oh God, just he doesn't care about numbers. Shut your mouth. He cares about numbers because every number is a soul. He wrote a. This is how much he cares about numbers. He wrote a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. Well, what's it about? Counting his people a lot because you matter. You got to find some friends like that man found in the New Testament where when I can't get to where I need, because you will have some days, according to Scripture, where even young men grow faint and weary. Speak in tongues, I prophesy, I travel the nations and preach the gospel. But even I have some days like today where I sit in my hotel room and I say, God, I'm not giving up, I'm not throwing in the towel, but I'm tired. Don't please don't think that because I'm standing up here looking as good as I look with my oversized shirt that I've never gone through anything. As a matter of fact, I'm going through hell right now. My brother, I just bailed him out of jail 5150 because he's got bipolar schizophrenia and he was triggered and beat somebody up. You think you're the only one going through some stuff? I've got an older sister who's a crackhead that we're trying to get delivered, hasn't talked to me in over 10 years, and I'm begging her to give her life to Jesus. You think you're the only one going through some stuff? Every month, I'm trying to figure out how we're going to pay staff in this climate because folks, when they don't come to church, neither does their tithe. You think you're the only one struggling? You think Pastor Josh doesn't have some days where he gets up here and has to preach to a bunch of people? You think we want to do this every week? There are some days where I said, Lord, if you called me to be rich and famous in Hawaii, I wouldn't be mad. moments I got to text a few friends when I don't have enough faith to pull together my strength to strip myself off of the bed that I've been depressed in some friends I can put on speakerphone and they just walk, start praying say Dale we got you and I've had those moments laying on my bed with tears falling down my eyes listen to two or three friends on the line praying in the spirit because I ain't got the strength tonight him doesn't even respond to his excuse you were with me in the pool and Jesus looks at me get up this man he ain't got nothing 38 years at least you're telling him to do something that he's never done I know you've been depressed for a long time the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah, when you're not in depression, that word sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, joy of the Lord, I got strength. When you're, in, when you're in depression, sometimes hearing that word is like, 
Because anybody like me, and you've had some days where you've been disappointed, and you're just tired of being disappointed, and you find yourself stuck here for a long time. And the funny thing about Jesus is he's not speaking to your body. It sounds like it, but he's speaking to your spirit. I know he was telling this man's body to get up, but I believe Jesus was speaking to his spirit first because he knows whatever happens in the spirit will manifest in the natural. He was telling that man's spirit, you've been down for a long time, get up. His body had no choice but to obey the word of the Lord and get up. And the reason I had to come here tonight, and yeah, I know I beat you up a little bit and got you stirred, but I had to get here to this point so that you would hear this word. Get up! I know you don't know any scriptures, but get up. I know you don't have much of a prayer life. It's all right. Get up. I know everything's going wrong, but get up! Some of you tonight, you almost didn't come, and it took everything you had to just drag yourself, get the kids, because they're getting on your nerves right now, and get them in the car, and you fought all the way here, got into the house. Somebody said, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored, but at least you're here. And if you made it tonight, here's the word, get up. And the man takes up his mat and begins to walk. The thing that was carrying him, he starts carrying himself. And I came to tell you, I know that thing has had you captive, but you're about to get victory over that thing. Thank you for the three claps of encouragement. But I'm telling you, I don't care how long you've been addicted, I'm telling you, you're about to carry around the thing that used to carry you. I don't care how long you've been depressed, I don't care how long you've been broken, that thing that's been carrying you, you said pick it up. Why? Because he takes a few steps. And there's these religious leaders, because they're all these religious people. They don't take all that. Some of you doing worship. What is he saying? Oh, what? And some of you judge praise because you don't know testimonies. Yeah. They look at this man who's carrying around his mat on the Sabbath because he's not supposed to. He got healed on the wrong day. <laughs> Slapping myself. He got healed on the wrong. I don't care if God blesses me on a Wednesday night. He can bless me on a Tuesday afternoon in the middle of Safeway on aisle number seven while I'm getting tater tots for the kids' breakfast tomorrow. Any way he blessed me, this is old school preaching, I'll be satisfied. Any way he touches me, if he wants to touch me on a Sunday morning, you got it. But if you want to hit me up on a Monday night when I'm after work and butt tired and I don't feel like praying, if you call, if I got to crawl out of bed, as long as you speak to me, as long as you lift me up, as long as you heal me, you got healed on the wrong day, man. Who did it? I, I don't know a lot of theology, bro. I, I don't know all like Christology stuff. All I know is that I met a man. <laughs> I can't, I, I, I didn't go to Bible college like Pastor Josh went. I can't tell you the 15,000 names of God. I can't tell you the 300 and something Messianic prophecies. But I can tell you I came to church one Wednesday night and I was down and he picked me up. I can tell you I was, I was broken, but he made me whole. I was sick, but he healed my body. I was depressed, but he gave me joy and peace. And They said, who healed you? Some dude. I was by the water hanging out with all these sick people, and he found me. All these people were sick, and somehow he knew I had been in that condition for a long time, and what I couldn't do for myself, he became the brother who's closer than a friend, and he came and touched me. The Bible says that the people ask again, who is this man? See, I believe that first question was an indictment, because dare you heal and say, 
But I think when they start taking inventory of what happened, I think that question tone changed. Like, who, who is it? It's, it's like when Jesus was on the boat in Mark, I think chapter 5, and the storm breaks out, and he stands on the edge of the boat and speaks to the storm and says, Shalom, and peace be still. And the disciples look around, even though they have been walking with him for that time, about two and a half years, they look around at each other and go, who is this? Jesus walks up to a, a father who's a little frustrated with his deacons because they can't seem to heal his little paralytic boy. And Jesus cast out the little demon. And, he was, and they say, what kind of man is this? I'm telling you. Come on, look here. And I need you to be Pentecostal for the next 30 seconds because God is about to bless you so big that people are going to wonder, how did it happen? Who was it? How did you get there? What kind of promotion? You're not even educated for that kind of promotion. What kind of favor are you walking in that you got the clothes on the house? You, 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 okay, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I know where I'm at. You're not even a legal citizen, and you have to have a five-bedroom house. How did that happen? I know I made you mad, but I feel like preaching truth. I'm telling you, God is about to bless you so big that folks are going to start asking questions. You're going to get to your work, and they're going to say, man, in the middle, middle of this pandemic, how come you keep coming to this dead-end job so happy? I got joy you don't know nothing about. My joy don't come from a paycheck. I met a man. <laughs> I'll finish with this. <laughs> There's another woman who talked it like this, and you remember, she was that woman by the well. She was there at the wrong time of the day. And Josh, we've messed this up. We said this was a loose woman. She was a woman of ill repute. Women back in this day couldn't divorce. They had no right to divorce. This time, I think it was one of the priests or one of the rabbis who was very famous who said, God bless the fact that I wasn't born a woman. Because they were treated like property. At that time, you could divorce a woman even if she couldn't cook well. Don't say amen, fellas. Please don't say amen. That's a wrong place say amen. So this woman has been divorced by men five times in a culture where even if you were divorced once, that brought shame. Some theologians make the argument that most likely she had been divorced so many times because she was barren and she couldn't get fruit. And a lot of people don't want you when you can't do something for them. And so five times this woman's been thrown away. And when she encounters Jesus, she's with this sixth guy. And we think she's sleeping around. No, no, no. Five times she's been married and divorced. And the sixth man won't even give her the dignity of marrying her. This woman's issue is not marriage or infidelity. It's shame. That's why she's there in the middle of the day with no other woman. It's not because the women hate her necessarily. That could be true. But she's there because she don't want to see their faces. She's been rejected too many times. And that's how some of us feel. We're not going to any more altar calls. I used to go to altar calls when I was younger. I went to AG youth camps, and I did all that stuff, and it didn't really stick. And what would happen if it did for Jesus? Jesus has a conversation in John chapter 4 with this woman, and she has had five husbands. And the sixth one that she is with is not even her own. And Jesus says, I know. Here's the good news. You remember the story of Brother Blair. She has an encounter with Jesus, gives her life to Jesus, and within a chapter, she becomes Reinhard Bonnke. She goes to her city, and the whole city, according to Scripture, hears about Jesus, and there's a citywide revival. But I want you to hear her language, because it's similar to the language that this man is speaking in chapter 5 of John. Just a chapter ago, 
Jesus was encountering this woman who had five husbands. The sixth one wouldn't do her the dignity of marrying her. And she comes back in the city and says, come see a man. Listen, lady, we done seen all your men. No, 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 no. This ain't like the other six. This is the seventh one. This is the perfect one. And she says this. She says, come see a man who knew everything about me. And I think tears were welling up because this is the first time a man sees her, knows her stuff, and says, I still want you. I know about your porn addiction. I still want you. I know about your secret alcoholism that even your wife, you try to hide it from. I, I still want you. Come, come, come see a man. We haven't seen all your men. No, no, you ain't seen the seventh one. This one is the perfect one. This is the one who knows me and who loves me, who sees me, and who wants me. I've always found it interesting that sometimes the scriptures personify divinity in humanistic form. What do I mean? Sometimes they'll call God man. They'll call Jesus man. You remember Jacob is wrestling with God. But the Bible with a capital M calls God in that scripture man. That Jacob wrestled with a man. Why? Why? Here's why. Come in. Lean in close. Here's why. Quite often in the wrestling of the breaking of the day, yes, he wants you to wrestle with divinity. He wants to break that thing in your humanity that's holding you down. And so you're hearing a preacher, a man, but in reality, you're hearing the voice of God. <laughs> you're being led by worship, and it's so beautiful, and you're being caught up in the presence, led by a man. But somewhere riddled in that humanity is the divinity of God asking you, will you come a little closer? I know the waters haven't been stirred for you, and it ain't always been easy for your family. It's been a trek getting here into this place. But can I just stir some waters for you? I want to know where you're at. I asked Pastor Josh, I said, man, is there anything specific you want to miss, want me to minister on? I said, I'm going to pray and find God's direction. But he said, man, a lot of our people are hurting, are going through some stuff. And I said, I know the feeling because I pastor a church in America too. Some of you are getting mad at us pastors like we've pastored in a pandemic before. We have no clue what we're doing. We're just great at social media. <laughs> but here's what I found out. And when I don't know what to do, I can look to you. And tonight, what if there's a pool that God is stirring? inviting from the front row to the sound booth. Do you want to be whole? Oh, well, it's 8 o'clock, Pastor. It's time to end. they got to pick up the kids because we've got children in ministry. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. But do you want to be whole? Well, I, I got work tomorrow and i got to get up early. You don't understand. Yeah, yeah. This kind of breakthrough is worth a little bit of sleepless nights. Do you want to be whole? Well, I'm, I'm here with my friend, bro, and I don't want to embarrass myself because I, you know, I look cute. <laughs> I got my makeup on. I got ready because I knew the guest preacher was going to be here in case my husband is here. I just, no, but do you want to be made whole? I'm not that exuberant. I'm not very emotional and all that kind of stuff. I didn't ask you if you're emotional. I asked you, do you want to be made whole? Because people who are tired of being sick and sick of being tired don't care what it takes. I watch people who have cancer in their body. 
they are begging for experimental treatments that might not even be safe for them because they're desperate. And maybe you're still in the same condition because you're religious and not desperate. So you know when to sing, you know when to shout, you know when to dance, you know when to cry, you know when to lift your hands, you know how to come to the altar and have that cute little five minutes that you do. But this goes beyond that. How desperate are you? Are you desperate? I've had some, I'm telling you guys this, I'm I'm old school Pentecostal. I had some days where the janitor had to rip me up off the altar. You think I'm joking. We would have revival meetings as a 15-year-old, and I was so desperate that I didn't know what time it was. And yes, I had school in the morning, and I got good grades. Because you can be godly and don't have to be dumb. But I would hang on to the horns of the altar. And I remember there were a couple of times the janitor at 2 in the morning would say, okay, son, we got to go. And I was the last person there. No preacher, no pastor, just me and Jesus. Because I got tired. Some of us have been walking in COVID. And we've been watching some people die, some people get sick, and some people get stirred. talking to my brother in the back playing the guitar and I don't mean to tell all his business but we were chatting a little bit and he told me that his dad's in the hospital struggling with through COVID and uh, I ain't no punk so I, I pushed the tears back in my eyes because I was raised in the hood <laughs> and it hit me because I've been a pastor long enough that all it takes Pastor Josh for most people is a minor inconvenience and they're out service goes too long, and I'm out. (laughs) This brother's dad is fighting for his life, and he's tonight on a guitar, not just playing. I heard him worshiping, and you're sitting here in bodily health in the comfort of your own home watching this online, and you got the audacity to just wait and see. (laughs) He told me his dad went from a we're going to believe God tonight that he's going to be completely healed. I'm telling you, he will live and not die. I'm telling you, he will live and not die. You think faith is giving a lot of money or shouting real loud. Sometimes faith is quiet and it's behind the guitar and saying, man, I want to be by my dad's side, but you deserve every song I've got to sing. I've watched people, I've watched cancer literally fall to the ground, tumors fall to the ground. I've literally saw a man who died for 30 minutes and I prayed for him in the hospital and the doctor said I was crazy and he came back, started coughing and choked up blood and came back to life 30 minutes after he was dead. I've seen God do the impossible, but I've never seen him do it without desperate hearts. God, send the fire. If you look in the Old Testament, he never sent fire where there was no sacrifice. Every time fire showed up, somebody laid down a sacrifice. So here's all I got to ask you. You want to give me a hole? Because tonight, if you want to be made whole, I've already prayed. We've been praying 30 minutes before service got started, and I knew I would go over time. If you got to go, there's no condemnation. Grab your kids. Do what you got to do. God bless you. We love you. But God, would you stir the water tonight? Lift your hands all over this room. Would you stir the water tonight? Open your mouth and begin to pray. Even at this altar, God, would you begin to stir the water? We know that the stirring doesn't have to do with the physical location, but we are asking you, though you are already here, come closer. Come on, don't pray that little minute prayer. I want you to think about what you need God to do. Think about the breakthrough that you need. 
Come on, leaders, what are you believing God for in this house? Maybe you don't have any personal needs, but you've got some corporate needs in this house. What do we need God to do? If you're a little desperate, you lift that little prayer up to the Lord. But if you're real desperate, I dare you to go past your normal. I dare you to forget about who's sitting next to you and how cute you look. I dare you to forget about what time it is and what time you've got to get up to work tomorrow. I dare you to take a moment and say, God, if you bless anybody, come and bless me. If you come and stir any water, come and stir it inside of me. Ah, I get it. He said, I would pour in you rivers. Rivers. Oh, rivers. Rivers. He's stirring up the rivers, friend. Come on. Don't worry about what's happening up on the stage. I dare you to look up to heaven with your hands stretched up and say, God, here I am, stir me. Come on, I'm looking at a 10-year-old over here saying, stir me, God. Come on, God, stir me. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting